Um, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. You don't know the famous poet who composed those words? Billy Joel, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Billy Joel, 40 years ago, seemed like yesterday maybe, um, 40 years ago he wrote those words and yet they would still stir the hearts of many today Um, because there's been countless songs, movies, books, poems um, that give voice to our desire to to be individuals to live our lives our own way. Have you ever felt the constraints of conformity? Have you ever been trapped inside somebody else's system? I'm sure the kids out there know this well. They get lined up every morning to go to school. Go to do that sort of course, do that subject, because that'll get you a good ATAR, that'll get you in the right university, that'll get you the right job. Have you sat in the classroom, stared out the window and just thought, I want to break free. What about those of us that maybe commute each day, get on the train, sit in traffic, file into the office? Maybe you don't do that these days. You don't file into the office. You file into your home office and yet you still log on. You log into the computer. Do you sometimes feel that you're just a faceless cog in the machine of big business? Well, we're particularly faceless now, aren't we? Sitting behind our computers. Songs like My Life, they want, us to, they want to say, you are special and you should do what you want to do. You know, friends, I want to say, you are indeed special. You're a special person, a special individual. But we need to be careful how far we can push that self-expression because we can become a little bit unbalanced, can't we not? And healthy self-expression develops into self-centeredness and proud 
self-sufficiency. Today we're going to continue uh, looking at the values of our church and we're focusing on discipleship. In other words, being a follower of Jesus, to use everyday language. Now, as Jesus speaks to us tonight, uh, we might find that our thinking will be challenged. So we need to stop and pray, don't we? We need to pray that God would help us to understand his word and, of course, respond to it rightly. So why don't we, I do that right now for us all. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we've already prayed tonight, we admit that we need your help. Uh, we so often, so easily can drift away from you um, in what we do and how we think. And so, Lord, as we come to look at your word tonight and reflect on what it means to be your follower, your disciple, we pray you would help us to have the minds to hear, to understand and obey. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our personal freedom, uh, our self-fulfillment, it's arguably the highest goal in our culture today. It's what we're really aiming for. It's how our world thinks. You can use the fancy word and call it individualism. You can use made-up words like I've just done and call it meism. It's about thinking yourself. You're in control. You're the one that calls the shots. You're the one who makes the decisions. Friends, this is the air we breathe. It's the story that we all live by. It shapes our subconscious and it directs the way we live. Our culture today says your purpose in life is to, to find your identity, your true self, and then be able to express that freely to the world. And you can see that's how the world operates, that constant battle to break out of the constraints, that constant questioning of the norms. That's your individual freedom. And alongside all these freedoms too, we have an almost endless Freedom of choice, choices that are mind-boggling. We can choose our career, we can choose where we get educated. Uh, before COVID, we could travel anywhere. Maybe we can't now, but we lived in a time where we travelled more than ever. Perhaps that's why the virus spread so fast, because we were travelling so wildly all over the place, going anywhere and being accepted almost anywhere. Um, that is a profound modern freedom. And we're spoiled for choice, aren't we? Just walk across the road and walk into Coles, go into the cereal aisle, and you'll just get mind-boggled. What to choose? There's just too much choice. You can walk down most streets in Sydney now and go and eat the cuisine of any type of food around the world. We're spoiled for choice, freedom to choose. And we can even choose things these days that are considered, before were considered to be profoundly unchangeable, like what gender you'd like to be. You can choose that. Yep. Individualism is not just the inspiration for pop songs. It is the mantra of our society today. Our culture says, live your life your own way. You know what? We love it. My guess is that we're more affected by the world than we would care to admit. Our culture seeps into us it operates deep down in ways that I think we're so often not even aware of. We are swimming in the waters of the world. But even the secular world will admit there's problems. Problems that have been brought on by this individualistic thinking. 
even social scientists most would say that with all our personal freedoms that's come at a cost, it's come at the expense of a common purpose. And so we look at relational institutions like the family and we've seen that it's lost its grounding. Divorce rates are, uh, are increasing all the time. Our elders are abandoned into retirement homes. And our dedication to the workplace has made people even more isolated from their families. It's happening all around us. But you see, the problem of being an individual, choosing to live your own way, well, the problem is that you're built for community. We were built for relationship. And that comes at a cost of personal freedom. So if you want to be deeply connected to somebody, you'll need to forego some of your personal freedoms. And of course, friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, then we do live in a very different story. You see, we're not people of the world. We're people of the Word, the Bible. And there we see that we're not self-actualized beings entirely free to do whatever we want. No, actually, we were create, created by God to be in relationship, to be in community, to be able to serve him and each other. We're created in the image of God, and God is a relational God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in relationship for eternity. We were created in his image, not to be autonomous, not to be separate from one another, but to be together in relationship. And so we need to be thinking very differently to the world. Listen to how Jesus describes discipleship. We read it earlier. Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now that is radically countercultural in the thinking of this world. The world says your highest goal is your personal freedom and self expression. And Jesus says, he makes the call for you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow him. You see, that's what a disciple is. A disciple's simply a follower, an apprentice. And just like a, a plumbing apprentice needs to look to the master and follow what they do and then repeat it, so too we look to our master and to look at Jesus, to learn from Jesus and to live our life like him. And so that begs the question, what type of life did Jesus live? A life of obedience. A life of self-sacrificial love for others. Jesus put it this way. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And the call of Jesus is, Live like that. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We cannot live the cross-shaped life. We cannot live a life of self-denial and other person-centeredness if we're going to pursue personal freedoms at any cost. Those things are actually at odds. Friends, when, you, when we follow the teaching of the world and we pursue personal freedoms at any cost, what type of people does that make? What types of people does that form? Well, it forms people that are entitled, always needing something more. We form people who use their money and their resources 
for their own self-gratification. We have people who shun responsibility rather than stepping in to help others. Jesus calls us to die to ourself, to follow him and be other person-centred. That's what our world needs. That's what our families need. That's what our church needs. People who are willing to live radically different lives, lived in the interest of others, seeking to build a relationship with God and one another. You see, the world, it really celebrates, doesn't it? It celebrates the self-made person. It celebrates the one who is fiercely independent and self-sufficient. But friends, the self-sufficient person you will not find in the Bible, certainly not spoken about positively. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And he continues, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? There's no point gaining the whole world, a world's worth of riches and fame that will not save you. That's why following Jesus is more valuable than anything the world has to offer. And so, as we grow into maturity, as we fulfill, we work out discipleship towards maturity, we'll continue to display very countercultural ideas and practices. A disciple, by definition, is a follower, and when it comes to following Jesus, we're always going to have our L plates on. We're always going to be putting ourselves in a position to, to learn from him. The more mature you are, the more willing you are to learn from Jesus. It's a position of humble dependence. Remember the children were running up to Jesus and the disciples were, were scolding them, saying, keep the children away. And Jesus said, no, no, he used it as a teaching point. He said, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What was he meaning by that? He's saying the mature will continue to display a childlike dependence on God, always being dependent before God, certainly not self-sufficient. And so the mature Christian will see themselves as Jesus sees them. So yeah, like I was saying, a special individual. You are a special individual. God, Jesus sees you like that. But he also sees you as someone who needs forgiveness and then transforms you into someone who will serve him and serve others to live for his glory. Now, if the challenge to deny self was not enough of a shock, then following the warnings, uh, the, the following teaching of Jesus is going to get even more unsettling. As Jesus resolutely sets out towards Jerusalem, towards his self-sacrificial death, he warns potential followers about the cost of being his disciple. You might remember the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes bowling up to Jesus saying, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? What must I do to get to the kingdom of heaven? And he's pretty confident in himself. He's obeyed all the laws, he's done all the things the right way, but then Jesus cuts right to the chase and says, give away all that you have and then come and follow me. 
And what's he do? He walks away dejected because he was rich. Here's another challenge. As they were walking on the road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Ouch. That's a bit of a challenge. Let's turn up the heat even more. Jesus said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts their hand to the plough and looks back is fit for kingdom service. That's intense teaching there, friends. And I bet you that makes me deeply unsettled. It should be making you unsettled. It's intense teaching. We, can't, we can certainly can't say that Jesus was like a dodgy salesman trying to hide the conditions of discipleship in the fine print. Now, this is buyer beware and buyer beware in your face. Jesus boldly challenges us to let go of worldly wealth and commitments so that we might stay focused on his eternal kingdom. The question there is saying, do you want to be a citizen of this world or do you want to be a citizen of heaven? Now, we don't have time to unpack these challenging teachings tonight. It's not like Jesus is opposed to houses and we've all got to go home and sell everything and move out, move up here. That'd be pretty cosy. Um, we don't have to do that. It's not like Jesus says that families are not important. There's other teaching where he talks about the importance of family. But when we use these things, our worldly commitments, our worldly possessions, as blocks and barriers between us and Jesus, Jesus says that has to go. One thing has to go. It's not going to be him. I was at a Christian uh, conference, a missionary conference, where there was a guest from an African church there. And he was there on the stage and the person asked him a couple of questions and said, how can we be praying for the church in Africa? And he said, you know, a few points about how we could pray. But then the surprise came when he said, can I share how we pray for you? How the African church prays for us? He says that African, church, African Christians fear for the first world church. They pray that we would keep following Jesus despite the temptation of our wealth and comfort. They're afraid that we'll give it all up because we just want to get rich and get more and more comfortable. Well, as we've been reflecting upon discipleship, we can see that repeated challenge, can we not? To be a disciple of Jesus is to be countercultural to our world. Our world celebrates self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, and Jesus commands self-denial. Our world is fiercely individualistic, independent, but Jesus demonstrates other person-centeredness. Our world strives for wealth 
and comfort in this age. And Jesus says, let that go. Let go of riches in this age and focus on the age to come. You know, throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples struggling to understand Jesus. We saw it in the reading earlier tonight. Once they rightly identify Jesus as God's long-awaited king, their expectations are then turned on their head. For despite his royalty, Jesus predicts his death and speaks of greatness through service. It's crazy, isn't it? Jesus has every right, every right to be served, and yet he comes to be a sacrifice for others. Friends, our lives need to scream to a watching world that following Jesus is infinitely more valuable than anything else this world has to offer. Just think about the life of Jesus. Look at his life. It was a life not focused on self-fulfillment but self-sacrifice. And disciples of Jesus are called to live likewise. I'll close with this challenge from the New Testament. Do nothing, brothers and sisters, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value, yourself, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Amen.